0: Welcome to the Geek Therapy Podcast. My name is Josue Cardona, and today we're going to talk about what has become one of my favorite graphic novels. The title of the story is I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly and Jim Ken Nomura. It was published in between 2008 and 2009 by Image Comics, and it's available as a graphic novel, so all seven issues together, and it's also available in single issues. So again, there's uh, seven different issues you can get. I have them digitally, uh, but you can also, you could go to a local comic shop and buy it or get the graphic novel at a bookstore. Um, My friend Laura Vecchiola, a student in clinical psychology at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, is going to come on the show today and talk to us about this book she's the one who introduced me to it and I'm excited to talk about it so Laura welcome to the show
1: hi thank you so much for having me
0: so you introduced me to this book you told me I had to read it i
1: did yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're very insistent it was
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh and it's it's fantastic um we'll talk a little bit about why we love it but what, what why why do you love it why is it such a powerful story for you
1: um i think the reason why This is also one of my favorite graphic novels is just how powerful the story is and how just throughout the course of reading it, I found myself relating to the main character, Barbara Thorson, who I'll talk a little bit more about from my own childhood, but also I relate to her as a grown adult. I think that there are really funny parts that will make you laugh. And then it's inevitable at the end, you will be either near tears or in tears because of the meaningful impact that I think that the story has on, on really anyone. So it's, it's a great story for, for everyone.
0: And I agree. And before we talk about exactly what the story is, because today I read it for the third time. Mm -hmm. I cry, I cried every time. Every time.
1: It's inevitable. (laughs) I'm telling you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's 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 a powerful story, and she, the character of Barbara Thorson is so important. So before yeah. we talk about what the story is, which I think I couldn't even sum it up until today, it's hard. after yeah. I read it a it's, third it's time. It's
1: really just a, there's so many new things you pick on, up on each time you read it.
0: So let's talk a little bit about Barbara. She is yeah. um, a fifth grader mm-hmm. in Long Island. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that detail until I read it today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell us a little bit about her and, and her personality and where she's at when we start this story.
1: Okay. So you're introduced to Barbara, um, and I think right off the bat you recognize that she is a bit of a, a weirdo. She's sort of the class pariah. Um, you'll see her throughout the story wearing different animal ears to school. She kind of is a loner. She's got a smart mouth that often gets her in trouble, with, uh, especially with her principal, Principal Marks. And she, she has trouble making friends, and she it's usually because of um, her like cynical attitude, and she makes a lot of snarky remarks. Um, but inside, it, you can tell she's very lonely. She has a band of imaginary, um, or I guess you could assume imaginary, I guess that's up for debate, pixies and gnomes that she hangs out with when she's alone, so... She's a really interesting little girl, a really interesting little girl,
0: and I think that she she's yeah she's very cynical mm-hmm. and she's very snarky, but she's she's also really smart, Yes. And you can tell
1: I, yeah she's very she's <laughs> smarter than most of the adults in the book, which I like, yeah,
0: yeah. and she makes a comment like that like yeah. she she knows that she has an attitude with people who aren't as smart as she mm-hmm. is, and I think a lot of a lot of not only kids but a lot of people feel that way like you just you just can't talk about the same things, you feel like you're at a different level, not necessarily smarter or. Or, or less smart, but just, you know, you can't talk to people. So that seems like where she's at mm-hmm. when the story starts.
1: Yeah, I think that she sort of sees the adult world as something like mundane and um, maybe like unnecessary for her to know about because she's got her own stuff going on. I mean, she is a giant killer and she has no place for the adult world or the adult set of rules in her life. That's what gets her into trouble a lot.
0: I don't think we've even said the name of the title of the book, did I?
1: I don't know. <laughs> So so. I think it's
0: important to note, right? Especially now that um, the book is called I Kill Giants. (laughs) Yeah. Because right at the beginning, when you're introduced to Barbara, she is asked what she does. Mm -hmm. And she says she has a job.
1: Yeah, on career day. She doesn't need to be there. She's already got a job.
0: Exactly. She finds giants, Mm -hmm. she hunts giants, and she kills giants. Mm -hmm. So I Kill Giants is the name of of the book. And um, in, in the book, I guess the giants are... To her, literal. Mm-hmm. Right. They're actually these mythological creatures very that come so. around. And she's
1: really knowledgeable second. about them too, with like the idea of, of titans and coming from mythology. It's
0: very real. Yeah, she makes a new friend and she explains exactly where they came from, um, what kind of threat they pose. And she's she's a total geek about giants. Mm-hmm. She knows all there is to know about them and particularly how to lure them out and how to kill them. Right. And then um not only are they, again, literal giants for Barbara, but as the story progresses, really towards the end, you realize that this whole thing about her pursuing giants and telling everybody that this is what she does and her research is about something else. It's not about literally helping people from giants. Um, and this is, I guess, where things, um, like, like you mentioned the pixies, and people aren't sure about, you know, I mean, things are up for debate. Right. So maybe. So, how would you describe exactly what what's going on with Barbara?
1: So, throughout the story, you're exposed to mythical um, creatures, the pixies, the gnomes, um, and then eventually titans and giants. And I think it's it's actually really fun to keep it open because as an as the reader, you could interpret it as sort of Barbara's imagination or um, attempt to avoid reality or escape from um, what we'll find out is a really tough time in her life right now. Or you could um, make the argument, you could make the argument that these things are very real. And it is a literal titan that she is fighting. Um, I think at the end, you'll see that it's it, it very open at the end for you to decide um, how to interpret and how to walk away from the story. If it's all a beautifully crafted metaphor for, for barbara 's struggles and how she eventually resolves them, or if there is a little bit of magic in barbara 's world
0: let's talk about what she's dealing with right as you so the the series actually has seven issues, mm-hmm. and um, I, I took some notes down about kind of what happens at the different issues and kind of where you start seeing like foreshadowing of what's yeah, going on yeah so as early as issue number two when she first makes makes friends with uh, this girl Sophia. Like you can tell, it's like she she doesn't have friends right at the beginning, right. and you know she starts getting a little close, and she tells her you know like stay away from me. People close to me die,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she walks away, and we don't know what's going on there. And then in issue three, she's sitting down with her family, and her older sister who's taking care of her um, makes a comment like you know we need to talk about something, and then the speech bubbles actually have words that are crossed out, mm-hmm. so you have no idea what they're talking mm-hmm. about. And the sister keeps mentioning them, and you can see that Barbara's from Barbara's perspective, her face is just, she can't believe that this is happening. She's like in shock, and she doesn't want to hear what they're talking about. So for us as the reader, we actually see that crossed out. So it's not until until about issue four when Barbara is actually talking to her therapist, which is a really important person in the book Mm -hmm. also, that she tells her, I can kill any giant. I can stop, if I can kill, if I can kill any giant, I can stop death itself.
1: So Which like, is so important, for, yeah, for
0: the, yeah, for her. And, exactly. And then that's when you kind of start seeing, okay, to her, this is about something else. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not until, I guess at that point, you start discovering what's going on. And it isn't until issue five, I think, that you actually see um, what it is that she's what's talking going about. going on, yeah. yeah.
1: I have to say, I think that in issue three, when, when they did the word bubbles with the names and, and stuff crossed out, I think that's such an awesome visual representation of how hard it is for us to express the really scary stuff that's going on. And it's almost like a, a visual expression of if you say it out loud, it's real. So don't yeah. say it. And I think that's, you'll see that's that's Barbara's thing is avoiding reality and and so if it's said out loud, if we talk about it in literal form rather than through metaphors, it's real and I can't fight it if it's real. Yeah. And then you go on to find out that that the the real thing she's trying to keep at bay are not really Titans, but it's death itself.
0: Yeah. And at the end of issue 5, before they before you actually hear what it is, there's someone in her room in her house, mm-hmm. in her room calling out for her. And she goes to her and the image that you see on the page is just like, just this a black cloud, and it's just like this really ugly,
1: it's terrifying
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a really scary looking thing, and it looks like someone is tied up onto, like a bed, but right. like standing up, up, up tied up against the wall, and it's just, it looks horrible. It, it looks really, really scary. Um, and then, and we discover that this person who's up in her room is actually um, Barbara's mother. Mm-hmm. And again, seven issues, and it isn't until issue five that we realize what it is that she's kind of been fighting against or what it is that she yeah. has been denying or or dealing with, period.
1: Well, I think denying is her way of dealing with it for yeah. a long time yeah. throughout the book. And I think I think it was really beautifully crafted that we had to wait that long to know what was going on in reality, because then I think as the reader, you have such like a vivid idea of Barbara's world and how she's interpreting this this loss and this trauma in her life of her mother dying upstairs in her house. Um, that scene that you described earlier with her walking up the stairs and seeing that kind of terrifying image of a a dark kind of abyss and a woman seemingly tied to a bed. I mean, that was really, in her mind, how she saw it. And it was just evoked so much fear in her that she didn't even finish walking up the stairs, so... I think that was well done by the both the writer and the artist.
0: Yeah, and and that's what we mean by this book just being powerful. Mm-hmm. Just there's there's these small things, and and you're seeing it from her perspective, and little by little you start seeing more of what she sees. Right. And to think that she thinks of her mother that way—that she can't even talk about it, she won't go to the room. It's pretty. It's powerful. Again, that word. <laughs> <laughs> it's.
1: It fits.
0: And then, and without going into too much detail, because I think uh, everybody should check out the book. Um, finally, in, in issue number six, the, the giants actually show up, mm-hmm. right? And then you learn that it's not just any giant. It is a titan, right. the largest uh, type of giant possible. Yes. And when, when, when uh, Barbara is confronted by the giant, she starts fighting it. And she tells the giant, you will not take my mother. Yeah,
1: she's fierce in this fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. But she tells right, she, says, she tells the giant, "You will not take my mother. Mm-hmm. She's going to live because I beat you." Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean that like if there was any doubt about what was going on before, that's kind of like where where you finally see it. Right. And I guess the most powerful part uh, about that is that she she kind of disappears right at the end during the fight. The Titan tells her that she's not there for for her mom. She's there for her.
1: I think that's a really powerful turning point in the story because. It, it even gives the Titan a bit of humanity, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it, at one point during that fight, he calls her Little Warrior. Yep. I think he says, Little Warrior, I did not come for her. I came for you. Um, and it, I don't know if it, this is just my interpretation, but it, it almost has like this little, um, it's like a rite of passage sort of like a sweet tone to it, Little Warrior.
0: Oh yeah yeah and and again, we're up for debate whether or not it's a real giant or mm-hmm. if it's all in her mind, but it's absolutely a turning point for her, sure, because the moment that he says that, her reaction is you know there's there's nothing I could have done mm-hmm. isn't there, Or like she accepts for for the first time in in the story, absolutely, yeah, that this wasn't about her mom, that this was about her, yeah. And then she disappears. Like she, she even after that she still keeps fighting the, mm-hmm. the titan, and the titan kind of takes her, and uh, they go into the like she, they disappear into the water. Right. And then, so I'm gonna read what the titan says um, at the beginning of the seventh issue, which kind of like sums it up, I think. Um, the titan tells her, "I did not come for her, uh, meaning her mom. I came for you, child. All things that live die. This is why you must find joy in the living." While the time is yours and not fear the end. To deny this is to deny life. To fear this is to fear life. But to embrace this, can you embrace this? And at that moment, Barbara like comes shooting out of the water. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like and again, like you don't see exactly what's going on, you don't know what's going on under the water. But that's the conversation that happens between between Barbara and and the Titan. And the last thing he tells her is, you know, you are stronger than you think after she comes out of the water. And I think, like, that's that's the message of the yes.
1: story. Yes. Right? I mean, even just, like, hearing you say it, it gets me again. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> it's so beautifully said, and it's so simple. Um, but it's something that if you're a fifth grader in Long Island or a person in their late 20s in graduate school or whoever, <laughs> I mean, it's just so appropriate to like the existential stuff that we deal with about just being so afraid of how fragile life is and how much we love those around us and are afraid of losing them.
0: And, and she decides, I mean, sure. At the end, she realizes that she's stronger than she thinks. Mm -hmm. And, but from the very beginning, so when her mom was, was, you know, was diagnosed with cancer and and was told that she's going to die. She, she decides, no, I'm going to find a way to stop this. Right. right. Not, I'm going to accept this. This is what happens. This is normal. No, no, I'm going to find a way to stop this. And she starts reading it. She finds magic. And she finds all these different ways. And she, she understands and she rationalizes it as if she can kill a giant, a titan even, she can, she can beat death. Right. And she can save her mom. And that was her way of coping. So she didn't talk to her mom. She didn't even go by and look at her. And she created this whole idea that she could save her. Mm -hmm. Oh, so powerful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that how often do we do that? Maybe not on such um, a dramatic scale, but Mm -hmm. how we will channel problems that we know we have no power over, problems that we know we can't, quote unquote, fix by anything we do or say. So instead, we'll put all of our energy in something else and mm-hmm. sort of ignore that other issue until it eats away at us. You know, yeah, I think we can exactly. all relate to, to that, maybe on a lesser yeah. scale, but yeah. definitely.
0: And that's and, and that's what the story is all about. And that's why we wanted to talk about it today, because we think that it is just such such expertly crafted, said, the way that it, it flows, the way that it slowly builds up to that point. And to be able to give that huge titan um, a name and then have her realize that purpose. Like so many times it's, it is internal, right? It is a, an internal struggle. Right. It's, it, we're the ones who are fighting these demons or these giants or whatever. And, and we do eventually, most of the time, right? Come to these hopefully. conclusions ourselves. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> to this realization of, of what's been going on. Uh-huh. And to see her journey and to see, to see that. It's just, it's just so good. And I think that it, it would be very, very helpful for a lot of people who are maybe going through a, a similar situation. Where they, yeah. they, do, they don't know how to deal with it, so they find another way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. This is a great um, example, like a, a, a visual representation in a story, just a, an, an amazing narrative to, to show what maybe you are feeling. And you can see yourself in, in Barbara's character and in that whole struggle.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think the story itself is is therapeutic. Just in the fact that you can relate so much to Barbara's story and then see its start and resolution and sort of be able to relate it to your own your own life.
0: And we haven't talked a lot about the art style or anything, but, but it's a really, really, really good-looking book. It's black and white. Mm. It's all like... Uh, Kind of like if it was all sketched. So the way that you can, you know, really draw the lines and the, the visuals are very, very impressive.
1: Yeah, it's it's a bold style. It's got like a little bit of um, a manga influence. Mm-hmm. So I think people, I, I've actually heard this from other people who have read the book cover to cover that starting out and not knowing where the story ends, they assume it's going to be a story of much lighter fare that it's going to be kind of this playful child story. And, and the art is, is, gets bolder and bolder as you go. And I think it sort of matches how the story transforms into something a lot more heavy and something a lot more um, deep in, yeah. in human relationships and in dealing with loss and trauma and dealing with um, the inevitable
0: one of the advantages of using something like a you know like a manga style is that it's not it's not overly realistic so you can really really accentuate the emotions and, and yeah. what the character is going through. Absolutely. So so you see Barbara transform and you can see those moments when mm-hmm. she's really happy and those moments where she's scared. Yeah, the facial the entire...
1: expressions are just fantastic. Yeah.
0: Throughout yeah. this book. and everything around her like blacks out yeah. so it's it's really powerful.
1: There's very like literal um, visual expressions of what's going on emotionally in Barbara, which I think just adds to her depth as a character.
0: And I, I don't know if we did service to the to the story, right? We'll we'll go over it now, like some of the themes and why else we think it it uh, it's good. But uh, I I hope we did the story <laughs> <laughs> good, and I hope that um, if you've listened so far, you you want to check it out because it is please do it is such such a good story. And again, not only not only. You, like other clinicians should should consider reading right. it and, and thinking about clients that might be helped from it or just friends that might, you know, might see themselves in it. But it's just, it's just a really I good mean, story. I, I
1: think it's so useful in any setting. I mean, I think for me, my mind kind of automatically goes to, okay, how can this story be used clinically? Um, but you could use it in a school setting with your friends. I mean, even just alone, this story has so much to offer the reader. Yep. It's,
0: and, it and, up. And it's like, a great read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like you mentioned before, a lot of the stuff that happens in it, you people will probably disagree, and that's really good. It's yeah. good for discussions. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so how about we go through some of the themes maybe that are in in the story? Like why like why else, right? I mean, just the 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 essence of it. I think I think I finally came to the conclusion, right, that it's it, the whole story is really about resilience. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about realizing that you really are stronger than you think you are. And and with clients, that's something that I do all the time. It's such, such a big part of what I do. Right. It's, it's, the clients are already strong enough to face so many things in life, mm-hmm. and, but they're just not aware of it. Right. And sometimes it's just that's, that's, that's it. That's just helping them get to the point where they see that they can really deal with a lot of stuff that's going on. In other occasions, you, you help them get to that point right? where they are stronger and then they can deal with more. And I think that the story touches on both of those things.
1: Yes, I think so too. I think we see already off the bat that Barbara is a very strong little girl. She has a strong personality, albeit sometimes abrasive.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But, um, so I think part of the story involves her realizing the strength that she already had. But then also you see through characters like, um, her new friend Sophia and her therapist, um, her starting maybe to realize her own strength or at at least becoming aware of what she is capable of.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's touch on some of the other themes that are in the book. Um, Do you want to just like go one by one? Uh, Do you have a list? Because I have a list too?
1: I have. Yeah, I have a list. Okay. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So I'll start first um, with my list and then kind of jump in. I'm sure we have a few that that overlap. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean we just talked about resilience actually. That's one of the ones I had on my list. Mm-hmm. Um bullying is a really big one
1: too. Yes. Yeah, I have that on my list as well.
0: So, uh Barbara deals with um a bully at school, right? I mean yes. actually from the very beginning there's like this motivational speaker who comes in on career day and is kind of a douche, right? He is
1: yeah. I yeah, you just <laughs> like him right off the bat.
0: Yeah. I yeah. like
1: you actually are kind of envious at how Barbara reacts because it's like, man, I wish I could just Huge <laughs> bag off like that. <laughs> I agree. I agree.
0: Ah, oh, she's so she's so slick. Raisin. You love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from the very beginning, I mean, opening scene—that's what we're witness with. But she does actually have this bully at school. Yes. Who, yeah. um, who's just causing a lot of trouble, messing with her plans, um, messing with her friends, mm-hmm. just complete bully. And um, and I think there's a few really good examples of of, of stuff there. I mean, maybe there are some things that she does that aren't, like, a positive example necessarily. Yeah. But you do see things like um, the moment that something goes down, one of her friends goes and runs and gets the principal. hmm Like, I think that's, that's like, a really simple way of showing, like, hey, you know, that's that's not a bad idea.
1: That's, this is a viable <laughs> option <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you were in a similar situation. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think showing, just even showing that, aggression and violence happens in school and it's messy and people curse and it's scary and Barbara reacts in ways she probably shouldn't have um, she gets violent herself mm-hmm. i think it's it's a realistic thing to show children i mean i this is controversial but y- sheltering kids is one thing but having them understand aggression and violence within like the safe confines of a book is a lot better than having a conversation about aggression and violence and bullying in school after the fact. Yep. Yep. So I I think it's useful in that effect. It's a real um, depiction of school bullying.
0: Yep. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of clients who will, you know, see something in a comic book or or, or in a movie and say, that's exactly what I go through. Right. Or that scene, that was what happened to me. And it's easier to do that and just point and say, yeah, that was me than to actually talk about it sometimes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, A lot of hurt behind that. Um, And sometimes it's easier to talk about a character's pain before talking about your own pain.
0: Okay, your turn.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one of my favorite themes throughout this book is the idea of like fear Mm -hmm. and how powerful fear can be um, and the ways that we deal with fear. And I think that Barbara dealt with it in two arguably unhealthy ways at first. Um, The idea that we can't talk about what we're afraid of, that fear um, or being afraid is an unspeakable thing. Um, She won't talk about it with her sister. Um, She gets very defensive with her therapist when talking about what's going on. Um, And then I, I think another way that that fear is talked about or illustrated in this book is like a personified idea of fear. And I think this can actually be, um, used in therapy or used with, with individuals who, if at first fear is an unspeakable thing to maybe try to attach safer like metaphors to it, or, um, you know, if you're not ready to say, I'm afraid of my mother dying, that maybe for a while we can talk about, you're afraid of giants. Yeah. And that with the idea, hopefully being eventually the fear needs to be discussed in a literal sense. But I think that that was really well done because you see that Barbara won't talk about her actual fears at all. She will talk about her personified fear, which is the the giants. And eventually um, you'll see at the end, she's able to accept what her real fear is. And that was losing her mother.
0: And, it's such a great point because in the story the psychologist like she the girl will barbara won't talk to her Mm -mm. but then when she asks her tell me about giants anytime anybody asks her to tell her about giants she says you know she brings up death Mm
1: -hmm. she does
0: every single time and um and how scary it is
1: and this is just from like my clinical experience this is so true to form Mm -hmm. um i like can think of a few examples but one in particular with A little boy I had worked with who experienced trauma throughout his early years would not talk about anything that happened to him. And rightfully so. It was still a very raw and painful thing for him. And maybe he didn't even have the words for it yet. But if I asked him about ninjas, we could fill up an hour easily. (laughs) And we would talk about what ninjas did and how ninjas protected both themselves and other people from all the scary things in the world. Um, and that was just a really great way to start understanding fear and protection without having to get into the raw parts of what was actually going on with him.
0: Oh yeah, and I mean, and I've had that happen with adults too, but with mm-hmm. children especially, mm-hmm. it really is so much easier to, you know, the idea of using language. Um, yeah, we're fine. You don't want to use that word, and we can. We'll talk about it in a in a different way. That that ninja example is perfect. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think it's it helps a lot to understand um, how powerful metaphors can be and how um, helpful they can be when when reality is still too fresh.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, so I think
0: it's your turn for a theme. (laughs) It is. It is my turn. Okay. (laughs) Um. So I'm going to talk about. Actually, we've touched a few of the ones I wanted to um, say fitting in and feeling understood i think i talked about yeah. that at the beginning yeah it's a really really it it shows um it shows her in so many different scenarios right it shows mm-hmm. her in school It shows her at home it shows her among her friends and you see how uncomfortable she feels in some areas um you talk you hear how she feels about it when she talks to the pixies and the gnomes about how people don't understand her or you know how she feels about certain things, and I think it's a again a really good representation of maybe if you feel that way, you might see yourself in that story. And I know that definitely I saw myself a few times. In yeah, that
1: story. yeah, yeah. I think just being the idea of being misunderstood, or or not even misunderstood, just unable to be understood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even in there's like the examples of at school and and sort of with the the quote unquote normal people. Um there's a sense of her that takes pride in not being the same or being understood the same way. But then at the beginning, she's playing d and d with, which is a great scene, by the way, especially yeah. if you play d and d. and even in that small group of of her peers that like the same thing, she still kind of finds a way to edge herself out and uh and be alone and be misunderstood and be the odd man out. Um, It's, and it's interesting whether or not, and this is again, totally up to your interpretation or maybe how you relate to it based on your own experience. Is this a way she's protecting herself from being hurt again, from getting too close to people? Yeah. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's a very painful existence either way whether she wants to be alone or not she's alone
0: and of course when you're introduced to her new friend to sofia that's like you actually see her smile you Yeah. Know? and it's not the same smile um that she gets when she she has a really smart comment back at yeah. somebody it's it's like a really broad wide smile it's a goofy smile <laughs> yeah. yeah it is <laughs>
1: like she, she has no control over how dorky she looks exactly it's a genuine happy smile yeah
0: and they don't click like her and Sophia do not click. Uh, yeah. 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 But still, but just that feeling of not being alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, and I, I think you even see like with the progression of her and Sophia's friendship, like she's a little resistant. Barbara is at the beginning, you know, telling her you don't want to hang out with me. Um, even like poking fun at Sophia a little bit. Like part of her is really trying not to make friends. Mm -hmm. But then the part of her probably the same that accidentally let go of that big goofy smile really just wants to connect with someone who accepts her for all her weirdness. Yep.
0: Okay. You. (laughs)
1: Me? Okay. (laughs) We're, uh, yeah, we're like crossing over a bunch here. Okay. Um, But another thing that I liked, and this is one of the the more playful parts of the book that I think are important um, is the importance of having like a magical world mm-hmm. and um, her imaginary friends or the idea of like having talismans or yeah. hammers <laughs> good luck charms um, I think it's important for for adults and children to to keep that part of their world alive, however possible
0: yeah, and in this case she's it this is her safe place right right and and her totem her her talisman is her. The thing that makes her feel safe. Mm -hmm. It's her primary weapon.
1: Yes. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty pretty badass.
0: We're talking about Kovaleski, the giant killer.
1: Yes. (laughs) And I don't understand sports. I don't know sports stuff. But apparently, actually, do you want to field this since I don't?
0: I did. I did. I looked it up. (laughs) I I, I looked it up. So, So Harry Kovaleski, I believe he played for the Phillies a very, very long time ago. Yeah, and um sure. <laughs> he he was a pitcher and he he beat the giants and yeah. um so after that they always call him Kovaleski the giant killer mm-hmm. so she names her magical hammer which she uses to kill giants in the story after Harry Kovaleski so it's right. Kovaleski the giant killer
1: which is so so great
0: yeah yeah it's,
1: yeah and, and i think you you don't see her in a single panel without Kovaleski strapped around her body yep it's with her at all times. Um, and I think that shows the importance of just symbolism for some of our inner emotions and having like an actual, tangible, external sort of thing mm-hmm. to remind us of our inner strength. And, you know, you see people with like jewelry or necklaces, or some people carry around little trinkets in their pockets
0: or a security blanket when you're little. Security
1: like, blanket when you're little, your yeah. Your favorite
0: teddy bear, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that she doesn't use it. And right? she has it with her and she knows it's there, she needs it, but she doesn't like reach into her bag and and take it out until until she really needs it later on.
1: Until the very end, yeah.
0: And and actually the first time she uses it is to protect uh Sophia.
1: Mhm. Yeah. yeah. she's a noble warrior. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, there's plenty of times, especially with what we were talking about in the beginning with the bullying. Mm -hmm. You know, she could have unleashed Kovaleski then, but she sort of respected the power of her weapon.
0: When Kovaleski speaks, the world cries. (laughs) So she's...
1: (laughs) I have to give me one of those.
0: (laughs) She's very cautious about using it. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Which I think, too, is like, um, I think she's a bit cautious about using her own strength. You know, if you want to kind of go along with, with the metaphor of what Kobaleski represents, which is like her own sort of, I think, power. Yeah. And she can definitely get out of line quickly with like aggression and violence. And so maybe in a way she's sort of saying like, I have to sort of hold myself back until it's really necessary for me to fight because who knows what will happen.
0: Yeah, and actually, she's throughout the whole story. Like every time she opens her mouth, right, somebody's like mm-hmm. rolling their eyes, or they think, you know, mm-hmm. they just don't get her. So it's always a problem. Right. Hmm. Yes. Very good. Very very good. I didn't think about that. And then and and so and that's like the talisman and the totem. And I guess just more in general, right? There's this whole idea of that fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we talk about escapism and and you know, obviously she doesn't want to confront what's really happening. But yeah, there is an advantage to sometimes having that safe place, that safe thing. Yeah. A comfort zone. Um, you don't want to live there. You can't move there permanently.
1: No, I. but I think it's important to have it available yep. Yep. for when you need it. And also just to exercise creativity mm-hmm. and like spontaneity and just be able to sort of, you know, I think as adults we have so many inhibitions and we're like so structured in reality and, and this is why geek culture I think is so appealing it, because along with geek culture just having this sort of different world where rules are different and rules are exciting and you can make up your rules um, is just a really relieving place to be sometimes. Yeah
0: and and she creates a uh... For the most part, a really nice place. Like yeah. They little, they're cute little pixies and gnomes, and they're all funny and they like to play baseball.
1: And I love, I love that they do like to play. I forgot about that. Um, and I love that the gnomes sort of have a little piece of her snarky personality too, because even some of the gnomes are little smartasses. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and sort of are um, little tricksters, and it's very much a reflection of Barbara herself, Absolutely. which is perfect.
0: Yeah. So again. I think I, it's it's healthy to have a safe a safe yes, place, yeah. and sometimes sometimes that place isn't real. Sometimes that place is somewhere you go to in your mind, mm-hmm. or and as a kid, we 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 do that a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, and I think as a kid, I I think it's also important because there are things that we can't control, and this is I think where like ideas of superstition come in, mm-hmm. and it's that same idea where like part of you knows that throwing salt over your shoulder really isn't going to do anything. But then the other part of you thinks, well, what if it does? (laughs) (laughs) Then Mine as well. And it's just sort of that like hanging on to the what ifs, but still being able to function in reality and not, you know, getting fired from your job because you wouldn't go to work because you'd cross, you know, go under a ladder or something it's finding a balance of between reality and having that sort of magical world that you can still escape to.
0: So that crosses out about three different things on my list.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of these sort of a uh, crisscross in yeah. themes. Yep. Well, I think a big one, um, which still of course relates again, back to like resiliency is just dealing with death and loss, mm-hmm. um, and bringing this book in, As either part of therapy or part of a workshop or something just to sort of illustrate what death is like for people. Um, What death can be like, the experience of losing someone um, that you love, where it's not always as um, clean cut as some of like the steps or grieving processes, um, that sometimes it gets messy and sometimes it's confusing.
0: And you get and, to see it for the the whole family, right? You get yeah. to see how it affects her older sister.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think that's. I mean, it just shows too with with death, or even if if death isn't something that the person can relate to, the idea of just unconventional family dynamics or family shifting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, now her older sister is responsible for her and her brother, um, while also taking care of of mom
0: dad's out of the picture
1: yes so although we don't know why or where we don't know why it's yeah it's irrelevant i think yeah. to the story just knowing that the the family is struggling the family is so full of love even just when i feel like when her sister is yelling at her when her older sister is yelling you still feel the love in a weird way
0: yeah. <laughs> she's yeah.
1: yelling so loudly because she loves her smart ass sister so very much <laughs> she's so annoying
0: <laughs> yeah the little brother is the only one that we really don't know much about but yeah yeah he's but smart. they but they do mention the father a few times um just how he's not there you know he's mm-hmm. we, we can't depend on him it's that just us
1: yeah
0: yeah i have along those same lines just illness right dealing with with illness mm-hmm. and cancer specifically i can't remember right now if they actually say that it's cancer do they
1: I don't remember either. I know that from the look of her hospital bed in the room, yeah. that's sort of where my mind went.
0: Yeah, mine too, exactly. I wrote it down but now I can't remember if it actually said that. I
1: think they I think they did.
0: Either way, it's good because then I mean there's so many different um illnesses and so many different things that people are, are dealing with. And again, yeah. it just it's there on paper and and maybe maybe you've been through something like that, or maybe that's one of your fears.
1: hmm Absolutely. Um, that's actually as far as the themes I have written down. I think we've kind of okay. covered them.
0: So I have, I have a couple more. Um, okay. And, so, and the last thing that I have on my list is the fact that you see um, Barbara seeing her school psychologist. Right. Actually seeing a therapist. And you kind of get mm-hmm. to see that relationship as it builds um, throughout the course of the, of, the, of the series. So how did you feel that that was represented or, or what thoughts do you have on that?
1: Um, I thought that their interactions were, I think, really, uh, helpful in understanding where Barbara was at. I think it it can be really easy to jump in and, especially from, like, a clinical background, jump in and criticize what the therapist is doing and, oh, well, this is how I would have done it. Um, but I think she, first of all, you can see how much this therapist cares about Barbara and really wants, um... Barbara to be able to open up. I think um, the first time you see their interaction, um, and and I think you spoke a little bit on this before, is that she's, Barbara's very tight-lipped, really has no desire um, to to talk with the therapist, I think her name's uh, Miss Molly, about anything, um, until Miss Molly asks, okay, well, tell me about giants. And then you see Barbara sort of lighten up and... And go. I mean, this is her stuff. She knows it. And she kind of just opens up, at least about the giants, to um, Miss Molly.
0: And of course that's that's like the thing we most talk about here on the show, right? Like right. That's that's the geek therapy. When when she starts when she first meets her, she starts coming up with this like really cute story about, Oh, tell me about the school, tell me about the lunches, you know, tell mm-hmm. me about and Barbara's not having it. She's like, Come no. on. Like, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: Nice try, lady.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: She, I mean, she really is too clever for her own good. Yeah. Um, and I think it takes a while for this therapist to catch on to that, to realize that she needs to take a little bit of a different approach. And, um, which is great that she goes for giants because she definitely, it was like she had a, a swing and a miss and then a hit with the yeah. giants. Yeah. Which is totally realistic in therapy. I mean, you're just kind of swinging, hoping that something you say, um, will elicit rapport and we'll start a relationship and i think that's what she did with talking about um talking about the giants
0: yeah and first she tries to talk about baseball because she hears she overhears her oh, talking yeah. with a teacher about baseball and right. then she tries that and that didn't work she put a baseball on the table she was trying really really she
1: hard. was you have to give her credit for that she was really trying
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> barbara not uh the easiest client no ever. i
1: think i think she would be um it be difficult in the room. Yeah.
0: Resistant at first. Yeah. Is the word we use. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: But then you see, um, I think there is one like cardinal mistake that the therapist makes and it's nothing that speaks to her ability as a therapist. Cause I think everyone, um, at one point in time in their career makes this mistake. I know I'm certainly guilty of it and that's, um, bringing up a topic before your client's ready to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, and then seeing the usually adverse effect that that has on both rapport and, and treatment progress. Um, and we see that in an interaction uh, with her and her therapist where they're sort of having this, this casual back and forth and maybe Miss Molly sees it as this window um, to bring up a, something more serious. And um, she says to to Barbara, I think we need to talk about blank. And then the, whatever she says there is crossed out. So we still don't exactly know what needs to be talked about, but we know that it's, it's something Barbara doesn't want to talk about. It's something that's not meant to be talked about because it's, it's visually crossed out. We see that as a visual representation in the artwork. And <laughs> At that point in therapy, Barbara reels back and just slaps Miss Molly right in the face. I mean, she was furious that she she dared to bring up that topic, which we now know it was her mother. Yep. Um,
0: so I, I think that's, that's kind a mistake. Of a, yeah. Yeah. How much more powerful, right? Do you, do, does that seem, can that scene be, right? You know how much it affects um, Barbara. How how against speaking about it she is and how, like you said, she's not ready to talk about that at all. Right. And she just slaps her. I mean, it's yeah. takes half a page. The word slap is just written across the page. The, the a...
1: motion of the, of that panel is like you, I felt a little ting in my face, like being slapped. <laughs> it's She slaps her hard.
0: Yeah. Therapist's face is a blur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and I think it's, and then it it goes on to show like, the, it gives like a little um, glimpse of what she was drawing throughout the session. And she was drawing um, the Titan and the word coming. So it was on her mind, yeah. but it was still in, in that metaphor language and way too prematurely. Miss Molly brought it up in literal, in the literal world. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and by the way, at the end. You see her drawings again and you see that she's drawing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Throughout throughout the sessions you see that Barbara's always drawing and it's like dark and clouds and, yeah. and and she's actually drawing the Titan as it's coming. And at the end, it's very different. It's very, very different after she's come to her realization and she's kinda of working through what's happening.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll leave that for you guys to check out when yep. you, when yep. you read it. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. haven't spoiled too much already. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know the beginning and the end, but uh it's, um, it's, but it's this book is
1: all about the details too. Like, yeah. it just you read it and find something new and amazing and powerful every time. And I think one thing that um, you brought up was the the armor.
0: Yeah, yeah. I read, I just realized it on my third reading. Um, mm-hmm. And in that in that issue where where the slap happens and all of that, the issue is titled "The Armor." And she starts the issue out dressed in a suit of of knight's armor, and she's talking to her pixie friends. About her day, and then they go back and you 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 find out that she had a really rough day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you kind of see at the end that it's it's like symbolic armor like after such a bad day, she decided to shut down and put yeah. up her defenses, yeah, and it's something I completely missed the first two times I read it
1: yeah, and she shuts down right after that session with Miss Molly. I mean, I think that was such a like premature, way too heavy dose of reality, yeah, that she really? literally shuts down and then puts on this impenetrable armor, like shutting out the world.
0: Yeah. Again, it was just a rough day. Like just looking back through it right now, that's the same day that she, um, her gym teacher takes her, t- grabs Kovaleski from her. Mm-hmm. She insults her back. She has to go to the principal's office.
1: Yeah. Every coping skill she has was challenged that day. Yep.
0: Yep. And, and actually this is really good. So this is the first time that she actually almost takes out Kovaleski. Yeah. She she almost forgets about it and Mm -hmm. almost opens the bag. And when that happens, she realizes like she's lost focus. Like she was so determined that she's gonna kill giants and she's you know, just that's that's what she has to do. That's her number one mission. She kinda gets sidetracked because of her friendship with Sophia and she actually curls up on the floor. It's like it was just overall, it was just a really, really, really tough day for her. Yeah. And I think
1: we, we all can relate to just days when life is overwhelming. Yep.
0: Yeah. And you put up your armor. Yeah. So good. So good. These guys are geniuses. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that does it for all the themes that I wanted to cover. That last one about, you know, um, seeing a psychologist and that representation on the page, I think was, was really great. Yeah. And I think, um, again, I've never been slapped. I don't know. I haven't
1: either, but there's a first time for everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe a therapist out there can relate to it yeah yeah Uh, absolutely but it's really it's really about barbara's story story and um again i can't say enough great things about about this story i really really recommend that people check it out um is there anything else uh you want people to kind of take away from the story and we haven't already talked about
1: i think i'll just echo the same thing that i know that we kind of if if you're listening to this podcast and you have read I Kill Giants, I hope we sort of like reignited an interest in you are going back to read it again right now. <laughs> if you haven't read it, I hope we didn't give away too much. There really is so much more um, in this book, and you never know. There are things that you and I talked about, and the ways that we related to things that might be incredibly different for someone else coming from a different um, you know set of life experiences and. And you may pick up on things that we didn't even think of. Um, and that's the really exciting thing about this book is that it's every time I read it, it, it gives me something new.
0: And we cry.
1: Yeah, and we cry. <laughs> Do not. Okay, this was my first mistake, okay. which I actually made um, two more times. I don't know why. I thought maybe I was immune to it, but I read it for the very first time on public transit. <laughs> and I was sitting next to an old burly gentleman, and we were kind of like cramped close up to each other and when it got to the end i was sobbing like physically my shoulders were shaking up and down i couldn't read the book because tears were coming out of my eyes and i was like really trying hard not to make crying noises but i um i'm pretty certain i made everyone near me pretty uncomfortable <laughs> so...
0: I'm, I'm glad you put that warning in because you didn't <laughs> tell me that and the first time i read it well, I, I did. Was at an airport you no. did Oh, no, I didn't. Airport. You're right.
1: You're right. I didn't. I sh- <laughs> maybe it was like my own... Um, I needed somebody else to be embarrassed about crying at a comic book in public.
0: Yeah. So me, I was the guy crying at the airport. Right. I was the, the comic book
1: girl crying in transit.
0: But we've given
1: you all that warning to yes. maybe read the last issue in the privacy of your own home. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks.
1: Yeah, this is really fun.
0: Um, if people want to talk to you more about... Um, about, you know, about I kill giants or any of the stuff that we talked about here. How could they reach you?
1: Um, sure, they could email me, I think would probably be um the quickest way. I'm not uh as I get poked fun of for I'm not as technologically savvy as as my geek therapy colleagues, but um you're more than welcome to email me. You can reach me at Laura Vecchio99 at gmail.com. So it's just my first name and then Vecchio99.
0: Okay. And um, I will put that in the, okay. in the show notes. I will also put links um, for how to purchase the book or, how, or where to find it. Yep. Um, go to your library. Libraries are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, pick it up from there. And, um, and yeah, you're not on Twitter. We, <laughs> no. we created a Twitter for you.
1: I am on Twitter, but not physically, uh, I guess. Uh, There's traces yeah. of me. In...
0: yeah. I don't yeah.
1: understand how that works. I have a Twitter handle.
0: Yep. It's I... at Laura Don't Tweet. Right. Um, and I it's know. actually just uh, us that are kind of controlling it for yes. you. Yeah, um,
1: which is scary so and don't awesome at the same time. <laughs> but if you actually want to get a hold of me, please email me. Don't Twitter me. Is that how you would say that? Twitter me? Tweet me? Uh, Tweet me.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on the show. I know I know that in the future um, there's there's a lot of topics like this that we can cover.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: This conversation was kind of the type of conversation we have, you know, whenever we meet. So <laughs> um, I hope you'll come on the show again in the future.
1: I'd love to. Yeah. All
0: right. And for uh, more information on Geek Therapy, visit us at geektherapy.com or on Twitter at Geek therapy.